Father, we just come to you this night, and we pray, Lord, as we look into your word, the word will continue to look into us. Show us, show us, Lord, deep inside us, attitudes, opinions, thoughts, anything and everything that does not agree with the word of God and with the spirit of God. Help us to demolish these things, O Lord, and replace it with the word and with the spirit, Lord. Truly, Father, each day, the mind of Christ Jesus is being formed in us, O Lord. Then we know, Lord, the kingdom of God is growing in us. So to that end, we surrender this evening, Lord. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we look. We look to the word of God. We listen to the word of God. But one thing does not change. God made us free moral agents. That means we possess the free will. Capable of choosing the path of obedience or rebellion. God told from the beginning, choose life to Israel. Choose life through Moses. Choose life through Joshua. Choose Yahweh through Elijah. And Jesus, the final, the ultimate voice, the word of God himself becomes flesh and comes and tells us, choose life. And each day we have to choose and God says, he is our life. Christ is our life. His word is our life. So every day we have to choose practically Christ over self. The word of God over our opinions. The Spirit of God over our attitude and the Spirit of God over our own strength. Be careful. You can pick the right thing and do it in our own strength. So please be very, very careful, all who are listening and will listen, clergy or congregation. It's irrelevant. All are priests. It's only one format in the kingdom. If you look at Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who looks, the, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, founded them to be false. And you have persevered, have patience, have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You see, this was an incredible church who understood and was planted on the word of God. But one final thing. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, God says, repent. Okay. You know, this church was planted and pastored the first five, three years of their life as a church by Pastor Apostle Paul. See, one thing... A pastor cannot pass on to you is his love or passion for Christ. Everything else he can. And we need to see that Paul seems to have transferred everything else except one thing that is not transferable. His love for Christ, he was not able to transfer it to this church. 
If you look at what had happened to this church or what happened in this church years earlier when he was pastor. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Okay? 20, verse 18. When they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. He says, you know, from the first day, first day when I came to you, he's telling to the elders who came from Ephesus, you know, you know how I lived among you, you saw my zeal, you saw my passion for Christ, you know how I lived among you. And then the dual aspect of his ministry, how he lived it before them, verse 8, 19. Serving the Lord, first he makes it very clearly, very clearly the order. You know what? In your midst, I was serving God with all humility. Okay? All humility, you know? Meaning, what does it mean? This absolutely, he will never exalt. People do not realize what does it, how does a person become humble? A person, how, how does a person become humble before somebody else? Where he lowers his opinion idea, whatever, below somebody else's and received it. That is what true humility is. Both in word and in attitude. What is humility? When I receive somebody's idea and somebody's opinion above mine and I receive it in both in word and spirit, that before that person I am being humble. Okay? And whatever consequences I go through because of receiving that opinion, I still receive it happily, joyfully, not offended, not angry. Then only I am really humble before that person. Now here he is saying, serving the Lord with all humility. He said, I never raise my idea, my opinion, my argument above the word of Christ. And because of that, I served him humbly. And everywhere where I went, all I faced was persecution. And I never was offended. I had tears. I cried out to the Lord. I did not clench my fist at the Lord. Many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. I never questioned God. Why Lord? Why me? Why do I have to go through? What is the purpose? You need to realize humility has its its real testing in different way in a person's life. First is your mind, your idea. Okay, God tells you something, you have your own idea. You put it down and exalt God's idea. Two, how your spirit, how you work out that area with humility, with the spirit of God, the attitude. The third is the consequences when you lift up. Because when you lift up the idea of God above human opinions, your own opinion, hostility will come, offense will come. People are offended by the word of God. Why? Because the word of God cuts into yourself. Nothing offends like the word of God. Nothing offends like the word of God. People will agree with all kind of ideologies. But the word of God is very offensive because the old man is there. The self is there. So you will fight it. So you have to realize what does true humility mean. So first he says, I serve the Lord with all humility. Second part of his verse 20. Second, how I served you. I kept back nothing that was helpful. 
everything I knew that would be a blessing to you, what I had learned from the Lord, I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house to house. They did not gather like we gather, no, in church and hall and all those days. It is not possible. But every day, people ask how many days, Lord, we should have meetings every day, seven days. Lockdown has made it possible because this was the pattern of the old first church. Seven days a week, they studied the word of God. Publicly, from house to house, if you go to verse 31, how did he teach, how he served God, and how he served his congregation. Therefore, watch, remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day with tears. Teaching and warning, teaching and warning. Teaching and warning. God, 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 what you are receiving. God and be changed by it. This is a pastor, a real pastor. Three years is what God usually gives a congregation. Three years. Okay? Three years he gives a congregation. Learn and change. Learn and change. Learn and change. Learn and change. And what was at the core of his teaching? Verse 25. He taught everything that was profitable. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. Like he says, the center of it, everything revolved around one thing, the person of Christ, God, and the kingdom of God. This was my entire ministry, day and night, publicly, before God, before man, 24-7, practically in his mind. He serving God and man. This is how he taught. He says, be alert. Be very, very careful because now I am leaving. Now I am leaving. Okay, he says, I am leaving. Be alert inside and outside. Within the church and outside the church. Verse 28 and 30. 28 to 30. Therefore take, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He is now appointed shepherds. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He says, be careful. And also from among yourself men will rise. You will have trouble from outside and trouble from within. To pervert the doctrine, the teaching. To take you back to self and from Christ. Inside and outside you have to be watchful within the church. And from outside the church. Many will come. Many visiting pastors will come. And it's not because of our pride. We have guarded our pulpit with our lives. Because you don't know what that man may come and teach and go. You never know how one doctrine. The problem is you don't know what people are receiving. So if you don't know your person. Now what is happening? What is the total this thing now happening during lockdown? It's ultimately it's left to you. I believe God has, is God is doing a lot of things during this lockdown. First, He's checking out people. He says, shutting down everybody's worship. Enough. Let me know. Let me see if you can really worship on your own. Second, He shut down everybody's prayer. Let me see your prayer life. Can you pray on your own in your house? Do you have a prayer life? Three, let me check out your word life. Every the whole the God said, I'm tired of your public this thing. Now I want to see individually how do you how do you 
and people have no clue after this is over when a church emerges i believe an entire division has been made i personally believe once the lockdown is over it will be weeks and months and months before public gatherings are allowed the remnant will be identified by god the angels will know man will not know man will not know the cst i believe this is one of the final divisions of god the remnant is being separated Please remember Paul was a gentle and a tough shepherd. Gentle and a tough shepherd. He guarded the flock from both inside and outside. And now he is leaving. And he had taught the church everything he knew. And he transferred everything he had learned of the Lord to this church. Except, which is not transferable. Even COVID-19 is transferable, but not your passion for Christ. Okay. You know what? The church still fell short in that one area. So please remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So please understand the primacy of the teaching of the word of God. So we are now in a state allowed by God, which is a state called Discipline yourself. Self-discipline. And God is doing his work in secret. He's doing his work in secret because now no pastor has any clue. Anywhere in the world. No pastor. Actually, we see a lot of pastors now as they really look because there's no makeup. You know, these pastors also put makeup when they are on camera. The big ones. So you know, see them as they are. Even news reporters, because now they cannot come to the newsrooms, you will see they are getting a live feed from their from their homes. So the big names and all suddenly, oh, this is how you really look. Okay, because no makeup. Okay, now they are personalities and not TV personalities, just personalities. So please remember, God is doing a work in secret which no man knows. First Kings chapter 6 verse 7. Remember that verse when Solomon's temple was being built? First Kings 6 7. And the temple when it was built was built with stone finished at the quarry. So that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. It's very funny, right? The temple is being built. But not a single sound can you hear of a hammer or a chisel at the place where the temple is being built. All the sound is at the quarry. And these guys have to be incredible, like our, uh, these ones were built, our uh, flyovers were built. It was made somewhere and the crane crimps and just fits it in. And that's what is happening. No crane also, remember, those days, nothing. It just, I mean, those guys have to be extremely good. Engineering was very good always. Please remember, medicine developed, but engineering was always good. From the pyramid onwards, engineering skills were always pretty good. So they brought it and fit it in. So actual place, there is no sound at all. That's exactly what is happening. Nobody has any clue in whom God is working. What is doing? God is doing a silent work in his church. A separation is happening. A cleansing is happening. The only thing that is going forth is the word. Each one has to decide what am I going to do with the word. And make a decision as to what is my life. What is my life? How do I see my life? Like I said, the proof is this. 
the proof is manifested primarily in your prayer life. Because it is through prayer that the life of Jesus Christ is manifested in the church. Because very few are called to preach. Everyone is called to pray. Very few are called to preach. Very few are called to pray. Everyone is called to pray. So the real effect of the life of Christ Jesus manifested in and through the church is in prayer life. And if you even look at Jesus' life, his entire life, ministry, if you saw, I see him from the age of 30, was entirely divided into praying and preaching. Rest was related to that, an outworking of it. You divide Jesus' life into two, it was praying and preaching. Because God has called very few to preach, but all to pray. The church begins, Acts chapter 114, quickly we'll go. 114, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. 242, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts 423, Being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them and 24. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, your God, they started praying. 6-4. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. These are the pastors. 12-5. When Peter was arrested. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for for him by the church. Okay, So you will see the church, the body of Christ is defined by prayer. And prayer has two parts. One is your personal prayer based on the needs you have. And the second part, the big part, is what is called spiritual warfare. And you will see, I would say 99% of the church is not involved in number two at all and cannot even get involved in it. And that is why the enemy is ravaging the earth. Ravaging the earth. Everybody prays, but they are only praying for them. They don't even, they don't even have learned how to fight this battle. Because God rules his earth through the church by prayer. By prayer. One man's prayer set off the heavenlies. One man sitting in Babylon. One man's prayer immediately started a conflict in the second realm from where first realm angels are coming. It's a battle going just because one man prayed. One man prayed. And the second part is where the church is praying. And that is the actual prayer of the church. And what is the whole primary purpose of teaching is so that we cleanse, we are prepared, and we actually learn to pray. And the Holy Spirit actually then is able to pray through us. That is the purpose of the word. Okay, please understand. The purpose of the word is to equip the church to pray. And God then functions through. Look, remember, the solution is not with the world. COVID-19 solution is not with the world. It's every problem in the world, the solution is only with the church. If my people call by my name. So we are the, only, the church is the only ones who can pray. You do these four things, I will do these three things. 
and what is the thing that we are called to do? First, set your house in order and then pray. Put your life in order and pray. Then I will do these things. Meaning the world, God gives no solution to the world. And he will not hear the world's prayer also. Only the church. Only the church. The solution lies with the church. Nobody else. Okay. So the word. So now even when we come to the ministry of the word, we have to be very, very careful how we receive it. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What is my own understanding? Everything outside the word that does not agree with the word is called my understanding. Everything in my mind that is outside the word and outside the spirit, meaning interpretation also has to be from the spirit, is called my understanding. And God says, don't lean on your understanding. Meaning, I can't even lean on my own understanding to understand the word. Then my understanding of the word is wrong. Why? Because my understanding is corrupted. The virus got in 6,000 years ago into my understanding. It is corrupted. So every day we study, hear the word of God, we have to humble ourselves before the Holy Spirit and say, come Lord Jesus, Spirit of God, teach me. Give me understanding, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Every day, it's not one day. Because he is the only teacher. So even when we approach the word of God for a personal study, for preaching or listening, our prayer life will actually change. And one of the primary objectives by which the devil succeeds, Satan succeeds, is to undermine God's word in his children's life. Remember, this is the most successful tactic of the devil from the beginning. What did he do in Adam and Eve's life? So primarily through Eve, what did he do? He undermined God's word in her life. Once he has succeeded in undermining God's word in our mind, he already got us in his power. Nothing has changed in 6,000 years. That is his primary attack. Okay. He came just very nicely, casually asked a question. Did God Eve entertained? First what? Doubt. Then disbelief. Then disobey. That's how, that's the order. First doubt. Then disbelief. And third, disobey. And fourth, the individual departs from the word of God. The individual, okay? First, how do you entertain doubt? Entertain doubt. He's very good at his job. Please understand, he's, he's, he's got 6,000 years of, imagine his resume. 6,000 years of experience. Cast doubt. I'm talking about people who hear the word or read the word. Entertain doubt. Disbelief. Doubt moves to disbelief, moves to disobedience. And ultimately, you depart. So the individual departs from God. A father or mother departs from the word. And churches depart from the word. The enemy moves in. Because you have departed from the word, and the enemy moves in. He controls your thinking. Okay? 
See, we are all absolutely worried about the pandemic. <laughs> pandemic can only kill my body. Unbelief kills your soul. People don't realize. Everyone is worried about the pandemic. <laughs> you don't even worry about it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. You don't even worry about your body. Worry about your soul. Worry about your soul. People don't realize. Unbelief. Doubt. Unbelief is more dangerous than all the viruses in the world. Do you remember how many years Adam walked on earth? Lived? 930 years. Do you know the last words of Adam recorded in the Bible? It's an accusation. This woman whom you gave me. Accusation and justification. How many years did he live? 930. What are the last words recorded to him, about him? Accusing and justifying his action. This was the man, actually this was the man who should have written volumes how to walk with God. If there was one man who had both experiences, how to walk with God during the age of innocence and after the fall, this was only one man ever who lived. If any man could be used to write how to walk with God, it was this man. But you know, nothing, absolutely, 930 years of absolute, total, wasted life. You know, where did it all start? Doubt, disbelief, disobedience, departed from God. So please understand, if you don't understand why we say he has exalted his word above all his name, Every day we humble ourselves before the word of God and the spirit of God because we don't understand his suggestions, the devil's suggestions. And some of the suggestions actually are not truly bad. If you eat, what did he say? You will be like God. Now that's that's a good suggestion. I want to be like God. I want to be like Christ. That's our, that's our aim for salvation. We want to think like Him, act like Him, behave like Him, be loving, kind, caring, compassionate, firm about the truth. That's the entire purpose of salvation is to make us like Christ, but not independent of God. That's the difference. That was a subtle trap in it. To be like God is God's intention for man. You, I want you to be like me, to think like me, to act like me, to be like me, but not independent of me. And do you know that? The core of every religion is that you are independent of God. Every religion, the core of it. Every goodness preached by Every religion at the core of it is that you are independent of God. Salvation is in your hands. Basically, when you are independent of God and pursue good works, you are trying to be like God without God. Very simple. Very, very simple. So please remember the mystery of salvation. The mystery of salvation. You read from Genesis till Revelation 22. 
One thing is never explained. God never explains. Genesis 3, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3 onwards, all the way you know one thing. If you really open your heart and read, God loves man, period. But it's never explained why he loves man. Never explained. One unexplained thing in the Bible is, why does God love man? Even the angels still wonder, why does he love these guys? It's unexplained. You find me one explanation in the Bible why God loves us. It's not shown. It's not there. Why he loves us. If ever that statement is true, love is blind, it is God's love for man. Who else would die for us? Okay. And the love of God's, unexplained love of God's, its epitome is the cross. That's the high point. So how do we get back with God? Our journey. Reverse Eve's mistake. First, trust in God's love. He loves me. Period. I don't know why. But you know what? He loves me. He loves me. Second thing, lay down your independence from God. Be utterly and absolutely Dependent upon God. Every day voice it. You will grow in dependence. Every day voice it to God. And truly go to Him. Third. Believe the word of God. Rather than our own understanding. Our own senses. Our own Believe the word of God. What the spirit of God tells you. Not our senses. Not my mind. Not my emotions. No. Not my desires. Reverse what Eve did in the garden. So the fall of man came through a woman in the garden. The rise of man also begins with a simple woman in Israel. Luke chapter 2, 34 and then 38. A simple girl. Teenage girl. One, 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 sorry, not two. One, thirty-four and thirty-eight. One, thirty-four. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. The rise of man also is going to be through a woman. If sin came through woman, salvation work also will be worked out through another woman. And verse 38. Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't understand. But I trust his goodness. I trust his goodness. Whatever is going to happen, you know what? I trust his goodness. I will not lean on to my understanding. Let it to be unto me according to his word. You know, she trusted his goodness. She laid down her independence. I am single. I'm not married. I'm betrothed. This is not a good time. What you're asking is, I am not going to allow it to happen to me. I have to think about myself first and my life, my future. She laid down her independence. Put her trust in God, laid down her independence and said, beyond my senses and understanding and plans and programs and objectives, let it be unto me according to your word. That's a simple work of salvation. And this is what we do every day. 
every day is connected with that. So that's what we are looking at, why we are trying to establish the primacy of the word of God in a believer's life. And the spirit of God in a believer's life. Otherwise what you will do, you will use your independence upon the word of God and move into the word of faith movement. Name it, claim it and take it. But there it is yourself being projected onto the word, not your dependence upon God. Be very careful how the devil can come through different, different and make you look really, really godly and powerful and used by God. When you have used the kingdom of God, never surrendering your will to the king. You know, you can do that even in India. You can hate the government, dislike the government, never accept the government, but keep quiet and take all the benefits of the government. No. Benefits of the government. And there are a lot of people who do that. With the kingdom, it's also a set of principles. You stick to the principles and don't bend your knees to the king. It will may work for you in life. But one day what happens will you will have to stand before the king. So please understand. That's why we are looking at the primacy of the word of God and the spirit of God in our life. So we saw the word of God. First we had seen Ramba many times over. The word has milk. The word has meat. We saw the word has seed. The word has hammer. The word has water. The word has light. That was how we stopped yesterday. Please understand the answer to darkness is light. The answer to darkness is and every attack on Jesus Christ only exposed their darkness. It didn't, it didn't affect the light at all. You see, you cannot throw darkness at light. Nothing happens to the light. You can throw light at darkness. Every attack on Jesus Christ has only exposed their darkness. It didn't harm him. It only exposed his enemies and the actual holiness of their arguments. Okay. So please, please understand how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is founded on the word of God. Spend time in these. So today we will look at, go back to Jeremiah 23, 29 and again continue our premises of of fundamentals about the word of God. 23-29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord. Yesterday we looked at word of God as hammer. God says my word is like a fire. In Luke chapter 3 verse 16, this is what John the Baptist, the one who is preparing the road for Jesus Christ to come. And when he comes, how does the word come? John answered saying to all, Indeed I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He says, the one who comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Jeremiah says, to Jeremiah God says, Is not my word like fire? Isn't my word like fire? Remember the two disciples after Jesus rose from the dead. He walked with them on the road to Emmaus. He blinded their eyes. They could not recognize him. But they were talking scripture. In Luke 24 verse 15. He's speaking to them. 
but they don't know who is speaking. So it was while they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So he had an incredible conversation about the scripture. Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, they don't know who it is. He's discussing scripture. He's just an unknown preacher explaining scripture to them. And then he disappears. He breaks the bread, their eyes are opened, he disappears. And this is what they recount in verse 32. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You always have to check that in your heart. When you hear the word of God, when the word of God is being expounded, open to us, do our hearts burn. Please, please be very, very careful when you read, when you study, when you listen. Does it? You may not even know the preacher. The preacher may, you know, may be even dead and gone. The word of God is not dead, it is alive. The spirit of God never dies. And it can burn in your heart. Some things in life, or most things in life, are cleansed by water. But some things can be cleansed only by fire. There are certain things in us which cannot be even cleansed by water. Can only cleanse it to a level. It has to be cleansed by the fire of God's word. In Malachi chapter 3 verses 2 to 4, when it's again talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, 3 verses 2 to 4, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and like the launderer's soap. The launderer's soap is much more easy to handle than the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire. He will burn everything. He will, the refiner's fire, he keeps on raising the heat. Raising the heat. Raising the heat. Until every impurity comes to the top. And then he scoops it out. Maybe we are, uh, yeah, let's go further down. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, the priests. In the new covenant, everyone is called to a priesthood. And purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah, that is our praise, and Jerusalem, that is the church, will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. He says, I will burn you with my word. If you allow the fire to work in you, then your praise and your life will be acceptable before me. Maybe somebody who is listening is struggling with stubborn, besetting sin. Stubborn. Ask God to baptize you with fire. Cleanse you. Because there is absolutely almost nothing that cannot be consumed by fire. If the temperature is raised appropriately, almost anything can be consumed by fire. Anything. What we even think with our human understanding cannot be consumed with fire, that all of this earth will be consumed completely by fire, nothing will be left. Even our physics may be proved wrong that it just 
transform from to energy and all. God will say, no, that also, that law also I change. It will not even exist as energy. Because I'm going to create a new heavens and a new earth. The old has passed away completely. So don't even put your trust in physical laws. These are all established by God temporarily. Nothing about that is permanent. That's the power of the fire of the Holy Spirit and the fire of word. First Kings chapter 18 verses 38 and 39. Hardened, stubborn people, three and a half years of acute famine has not broken any heart. But when the fire falls, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Everything was burned up. Everything, even the dust, the stone, everything disappeared. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Now they were broken. Now they are ready. And verse 40, what does scripture say? Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. What does it mean to it practically? From the time of Ahab and Jezebel, we don't know for how many years. These are the prophets they have been listening to and serving. Till the day before, going to them with their sacrifices, hoping rain would come. But that day when fire fell, this represents your besetting sin which has enslaved you for 20 years, 30 years. When the fire fell, everything was destroyed. They executed them. They passed judgment over them and they were free. Please understand what it means. The word of God is fire. We know the uses of fire. Fire is used to make metal soft. We used a term in physics called malleable. Yeah, you can beat into shape. You take a thick iron rod also, he puts it into the fire and then he's able to shape it. Everything that we have of metal went through fire and was made shaped into it. Otherwise, you cannot get it the way you want it. Okay? So God can do it with fire and hammer. Can put you through the fire and shape you exactly as he wants you to be. Just allow God to do it. Acts chapter 9, 1 and 2. What the fire of God can do. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Then he was hit by the fire. Okay? Hit by the fire. Look at the change. Verse 17 to 22. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hand on him, said, Brother Saul, (laughs) Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He arose and was baptized. See, this is a man of God. He would have gone to eat. He said, no, baptize me first, then I will eat. And when he had received food, see, after baptism only he ate. And he was strengthened. 
And Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. He learned fundamentals of Christianity. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Verse 21-22 All who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this same name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. What happened? Fire fell. God beat him into shape. So he became the vessel God will use. What is written in chapter, verse 22? Saul increased all the more. You know what is written the other place in David's time? The house of Saul decreased the house of David. Here it is reversed. House of Saul increased. The Benjaminite is increasing now. Because fire fell. One person you thought could never, the Benjaminites, could you could never increase them because they are always double-minded, going this year or other, because mother said one thing, father said anything. God said, I changed their history completely, new beginning, now I am the father. And Saul increased because the fire of God fell. You have to look at all these things and say, you know what, Lord, I believe that your fire come upon me. Spirit of God, I leave myself totally to you. Change me, shape me, mold me, use me as you fit. In the process, I die, I die. But I die for you and not for COVID. Okay, so please understand what it means, the fire of God. When winter comes, especially in cold countries, even here in India, what keeps you warm? Fire. Tube light doesn't keep you warm. Fire keeps you warm. The problem is people try to keep warm in the wrong fire like Peter. Remember Peter in the high priest court, warming himself in the fire that was not lit by God. False fire will cause us to fall away from God. But if you keep close to God, stay with God. Stay with the word. Stay true to the church. You can remain on fire for God. To that Nepali church, I gave them an illustration. Old days when we lit fire, you put a pile of sticks together, use paper or made a drop of kerosene. That's how young days we did a drop of kerosene. You lit the fire and you have a blazing fire. But if you take one stick out and put it for a little time, it will blaze. Then it goes it becomes red embers and then it dies off. You know why? Because you took it out from the bunch. That's why scripture talks about as you see the day approaching, keep on gathering. What will happen? Your fire will go. Why do we think we are preaching day and night? So that you can still come together as a church in the spirit and keep the fire burning. Otherwise that day will come upon you totally unawares. If any believer thinks he can survive on his own, unless you are put in a place like that by God, you have no clue. It will come and go, you won't even know. So that's the reason. So please understand. Okay. On the other hand, you allow the word of God, the spirit of God, stay on fire. The whole world can be cold. Yet you can keep yourself on fire for God. Because the word of God is fire, the spirit of God is fire. Remember Jeremiah. He preached in the most 
compromised, depressed, discouraging times. Preach, 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 preach. No change. To a congregation who is not involved. Imagine, we get encouraged because we get all these letters from around the world by saying, don't stop, don't stop. Now we preach for one and a half hours and they ask, why did you cut it short? Said, That's enough so that you can digest, you can process it. Word was short. One hour, 40 minutes, one hour, 45 minutes, word was short. That's all from around the world, they are saying. Our people say it is long. Around the world, till today in these 12 years, I have never got a single mail from anywhere in the world who said the word was law. Because everybody who heard online got saved are genuine converts. Everyone are genuine converts. Because they came to the Lord with all their heart and nobody ever said the word was too long. They will say it was difficult to understand. Could you please explain it? They never said it was too long. They always used to say it is too short. Why did you stop? See the difference of the word of God when it changes. When it changes what happens to your heart. Okay? So here is he preaching to the most discouraging, depressed, compromised time. No? A congregation who is not interested at all. Poor fellow. But the fire kept burning. He was the most reluctant prophet from the beginning. I am a youth. I don't know how to speak. Why are you sending me? And he did not like the word that was given to him too. Because the word you preach has got nothing to do with you. It's not your word. You preach what he tells you to preach. Because the word he was given spoke about destruction and desolation and judgment. About violence and plunder. Who wants to preach that? And they did not want to hear it. First they ignored him. Then they mocked him. Finally they persecuted him. And he had enough. He had enough. Jeremiah 29, verse 7 to 9. He had enough. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for in its peace you will have peace. Yeah. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they, f- oh, this is not, not 29. Is it 29? Where he says, it's fire shut up in my bones. Yeah. Got it? Quickly. Okay. Yeah, go from, uh, yeah, 20, 27 onwards. No, no, not 23, 29. No, 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 not that, not that. 7 to 9. Put it from, yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord, you induce me. <laughs> he said, you induce me. I was persuaded. What can I do? You are stronger than I. And I have prevailed. And because of the word you gave to me, I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. He said, I hate this work. I hate the word you tell me to preach. But I cannot stop. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. Not speak anymore in his name. 
but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. I had to speak. I could not. That I will not speak about him. I will not mention his words at all. These people only mock me. They are not interested. They are not interested. These are not. It is like, no, it is like imagine you preach and you preach and preach and everybody is like going off YouTube. Earlier we were never bothered. At least now you know how, at least you know visible ones we know. We know the majority later when we do analytics, we see the majority of them want to listen secretly. So let them do it for their safety. But supposing that facility was not there and you know only 24 person listening. First day, 24. Second day, 23. Next day, 22. Next day, 21. By the time end days, nobody is listening. Enough Lord, I am not going to preach to anybody. I don't want to listen to anybody. And then you realize, but when the time comes, you have to still preach. You are not able to stop. You're not able to stop. Okay. Even on our radio, we have grown over 7,000. We're not able to stop. I mean, you're talking about reaching that condition. right? You're not able to stop. Think about that. Now it's about preaching. Think about it the same way about your daily devotions with God. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. Nothing is happening. Company says I'm, I'm being laid off. My wife says she's laying me off. My children says, I have laid you off. But, I don't want to. What is this point in serving this God, serving this God, serving this God? But wake up in the morning, it's still burning in your bones. I still have to go and pray. I still have to sit with my word. Because it's burning in my bones. Think about it. We are talking about preachers. Now we are talking about your personal life. Does the word of God drag you back to itself? Is the word of God shut like fire in your bones? No. The word of God has that power to do it. If you surrender yourself to that fire. If you surrender yourself to that fire. That's what the word of God is talking about. You know. The word in him refused to be quenched. Mockery. Like cold water is being poured on. Derison is being poured upon him. Everything possible the devil is doing through flesh and blood. God's own people at him. But the fire is not going out. Even he himself is getting upset and making, I will not do it. But the word of God is burning in his heart. And he says, from the heart it has got into my bones. My bones are burning. To Ezekiel, God says, will these bones live? This prophet says, my bones are burning <laughs> with the word of God. Okay. Can we allow the fire to burn inside? And cleanse us on fire? Then we do not have to fear the fire that is coming. One day. We know one day everything will be tested by fire. Right? First Corinthians 3 and verse 15 or 12 to 15. Everything will be tested by fire. Now anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Fire will test everyone's work of what sort it is. This fire that is going to test 
For anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Why will it endure? Because it was built with fire. That's what Paul is talking about. That's what Ephesus lost. Ephesus did a fantastic job of testing everybody, but they lost the fire. That's your first love. Your passion for God. Passion for God they lost. And God says, everything is good in your church. Everything is good. But you know, one thing is missing. There's no fire. And I am the God of fire. I said, you forgot Jeremiah. The whole nation was gone cold. But that man was still on fire. Was still on fire. They threw him into the well. They put him there. They pulled him out. They put him in. They did all kinds of things possible. But you couldn't pull him out. Because you pulled him out, he preached the same message. Fire could not be put out. No, fire could not be put out. And these are things which we need to understand because one day what is going to be tested is how did you, how were you, how, because I saw how passionate you were for, for and I look back into my life, those things, days, you know, young days, you know, how passionate we were for uh, football. You know, football. You know, Maradona, I mean, you guys probably were not even born those days. The hand of God and all, we watched live. We watched live. Boy, we watched life, the hand of Maradona, that, uh, and that was the day in Bhutan, it was vacation time, I was in Bhutan, color TV had just come in. My brother bought the first color TV, and in the entire village, everybody in the house, my mother and dad were irritated, but the entire village was there. There, and outside the door, and standing on the, the, the mountain side and watching through the door, everybody is watching. My brother was very kind, he said, let everybody watch, everybody loves football. There were only two TVs in the entire town. So half the town was here, other half was there. Other half in their house, they did not allow anybody in. But he opened up his house for everybody. And you are watching Maradona. Football. Live. And not on Doordarshan. From Bangladesh TV. Because Bangladesh signal was closer to that country than India. You know how he sat? What passion for football. What passion for cricket. What passion for Sachin. Those days in our fire, we interceded for such a... God says, God says, I I forgive all that, see, sense of ignorance. But I said, I saw that fire. My question is, why is there not that fire for you? Did Sachin die for you? Did Maradona die for you? Does he even know who you are? Does he even care? Why no fire for me? Why no fire for me? These are the questions we have. And this is a fire that can be sustained all your life. All your life. All your life. Can be sustained. But to sustain that fire, that fire cannot be lit from below. It has to be lit from above. So you have to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, light that fire every day. Keep it burning, Lord. Keep it burning. Remember the first fire in the temple? The old covenant was lit from above. It was not lit from below. And then God says, keep it burning. Keep it burning. Keep it burning. First fire was always from God. So when the church began also, the first fire was from above. It was not from man. It came. Nobody laid hands on them. After that, they started laying hands. Nobody laid hands on the 120. It came like fire and a mighty wind from above and came in. After that, they laid hands. And from that day till today, it passes. It's the same fire. It was... Lit by God 2,000 years ago. It's still there. Only thing we need to ask. Ask Lord. We want the mighty wind. Works of power. We don't want the cleansing fire. 
And that's what he said. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Both. We like one. We don't want the other one because our self goes. Our self goes, burns up everything. The most hardened stuff, it burns. So please remember, even now, the fire is being heated up outside. Because if you have that fire inside, you don't have to worry the fire outside. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 to 25. Daniel 3, 19 to 25. Three young boys, or maybe much older by now, they were asked, huge statue was made, everybody was commanded to bow down and worship. Three young Hebrew boys said, nope, Daniel probably wasn't there now. I'd say somewhere on a visit as a governor, he must have gone because he is not there. They said, we will not. If a God wants to save, he can. If he does not, fine. But one thing we know, that's true sovereignty of God, acknowledging true faith. If God wants to save me out of the pandemic, he can. If he does not, but I am fine with whichever way he does. All I know is that I will only serve this God and I will not serve anybody else. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Just heated it seven times more. And then he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans and their other garments. Why is it written so clearly that part? Because they are being thrown into fire and they will come come out with all their garments intact. That's why the detailed description is given. They were dressed in their royal coats. Everything of the Babylonians. And were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The heat that came out destroyed those men. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There are a few things God does it over there. First thing he does is the people who throw them, they are killed by the fire. Second thing, when they are thrown into the fire, they are all wearing clothes. And they are bound. He uses the fire selectively to unbind them. And keeps their clothes intact. The clothes are not touched. Absolutely untouched. They are free. And they are walking free. You know what God is saying? If you have the fire of God inside. Then all the situations that is happening around you. Will only make you more and more and more and more free. Your bonds that tied you to this world is being burnt off. You are a free man. That's what you see in the new covenant. You throw them in prison, they are even more free. 
you can do anything to them their freedom is being manifested because all the things of the world is being destroyed through the trials and the testing and peter will say put it this thing your faith being more precious than gold is being purified is being tested through the fire of your fiery trials you are going through what do you see your faith is getting stronger and stronger and the power of god is flowing more and more and more 26 and 27 also The Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the furnace, fiery burning, fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire. Jesus disappeared. The Shatrap, the administrators, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on their bodies. Fire had no power and the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And beyond that, remember what the fire did during Elijah? Everything was burned up. In their case, there was not even the smell of smoke on them. The reverse got it. Remember the, those Gentiles making this mistake? Their God is the God of mountains. They cannot fight in the valley. God said, I'll show them. I'm both mountain and valley. It's mine. Okay, in the same way. We see one thing happening with Elijah. When everything, even the stone was burned, here, there was not even the smell of smoke upon them. Not even a hair was singed. No. The first proven case of remote control being used is here. The remote is with God. So we don't have to worry about these pandemics. All these things that our world is spanning. Who has the remote? It's not the devil. It's not WHO. It's God. It's God. It is God. All the systems which is, which is being severed, it's being heated up. Pestilence, famine is coming. No. All things are coming. But the question is, God is saying, why are you afraid? <laughs> they are afraid, I understand. Why are you afraid? Where is your fire that can put it out? All these things are coming. It's already here and it's going to increase. Hatred will come. Persecution will increase. And God says, will we stand? Luke 21, 16 to 19. 21, 16 to 19. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost by your patience possess your souls. How do you stand firm? By the word. If the word of God is burning, not burning like fire in those situations, we also will fail. We also will fail. That is why we have to consciously, daily fan those flames back. Every day walk in that, in the word. Never lose your passion. Because things will only get worse and worse and worse. This is a prophesy. This cannot be taken back. The big boss, the Lord himself spoke with his own mouth. You can't even go hermetically and hermeneutically and say, may the apostles heard it wrong. You cannot. This is the Lord himself saying. And God says, how will you possess your souls? Because of the fire in your souls. How do we stand firm? By the word. Those three came through the fire and not was, was not lost. 
They said we will not bow down to the principles of this world. That's what it means in our time. There are ideologies and ideas floating around in the church, outside the church, everything. If it does not test with the word of God, even if 99% of the church agree to it and the word of God and the spirit of God tells me it is not true, I will not receive it. I will not bow before it, O Lord. I will come through this fire. I will bend my knee and my heart and my mind only to the Lord of the word. The Lord of the word and the word of the Lord. Look at what happens in Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. Then 13 and 14. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude. A great, great multitude. Which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues standing before the throne. And before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We sing that song, right? Look at verse 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who are these? They came through the fire of tribulation and did not bend their knee. They choose to die than to renounce. They possess their souls through the fire of tribulation. They came through it. They came through it. They did not bend their knee to the principles of this world. When they were given a choice, recant or die, they said, we'll die. And from the beginning of the apostles, the first one, James or Stephen, James onwards, everybody. You look in the history of the church. They refused. A lot of people didn't. They refused. Verse 15 and 7 to 17. Therefore, what happens? Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Why? They came through that fire. So they had that fire inside to come through that fire. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see God's response to those who came through the fire. Standing firm. Now, in the word of God, we'll have eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. That's what the word of God is talking about. We have to look at the word in different, different perspectives, not just read the word of God and say, is it working like the seed? Is it working like the light? Is it working like the hammer? Is it working like the fire in me? Because the word of God, when the spirit of God comes, works in different ways. Turn with me, James chapter 1, 23. The last way probably we will look today. 1, 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, that's what we should ask the Bible. Because the word of God is a mirror. Am I fair or am I dark? How is my soul, Lord? How do you see me? The only thing that can show us the state of our soul is the mirror of God's word. And if you look at the other mirror, the mirror, other mirror, 
One day people will actually, people ask God, he will show how much time that other mirror has eaten away from their entire lives. Women and men. Women more, men lesser degree. But the mirror has eaten years of life from people. Because they want to see how the outward body looks and improve on it. We want to see how we look. Sometimes we like our looks. Most of the time we don't like our looks. We want to improve our looks. We want to hide our looks. You want to try all kind of things with our looks. And we call it vanity. That's why you have something in a mirror in a lady's bag. The bag is called vanity bag and the mirror is called vanity mirror. Solomon said, it is all vain. If you really, really want to know how you really look and we all look alike, actually, take an x-ray, frame it and hang it. That's how we all look. (laughs) If you really want to know how you look, (laughs) that's what God told Ezekiel. How do they look? Bones, dry bones, bleached bones. Ultimately, when you all die, we all die, we all look alike. Bones. What a waste of time. There's only one mirror, true mirror in life. That is the word of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon the word of God. Word of God in itself does not. In the word of God, without the Holy Spirit, I read with the self, I am the best man on earth. Wow. Boy, I think I am better than David also. Elijah, I could have taught you a few tricks, Elijah. Shame on you, Elijah. Paul, you died early. I could have taught you how to extend your ministry. You should have listened to me. I could have shown you a few tricks. You didn't have to get beaten all this time. I can show you how to preach and please the Jews and the Gentiles at the same time. That's reading the word with yourself. Without the mirror. That's a vanity mirror. You look good in the mirror. Only one which will show you when the Holy Spirit comes. Standing before that mirror every day. And humbly saying, Lord, show me. Only you really know. Not even I know, Lord. Only you really know what I am. Even I don't know. The deepest part of my being, hidden attitudes and ideas and all this thing, only you can reveal. Even I don't know who I am. Spirit of God, Lord, show change. Only God knows. You know, there is a spiritual reality in the way God created us. Created us. The spiritual reality over the way he created us. Imagine God created a world without Any reflective surfaces, even water is opaque. No reflective surfaces at all. No man will ever know what he looks like. He will have to listen to the testimony of somebody else what he looks like. He will never know what he really looks like if there is no reflective surfaces. You know that? You will never know. I will have to ask Peter, Peter, what do I look like? Whatever Peter says... I have to imagine what I look like. Right? Imagine God created a world without reflective surfaces. 
we will never know what we look like. You know what that means? That means you can be known in a world without reflective surfaces, you can be known only by others. Yet put a mirror in front of you. Oh, that's what I look like. You don't need the testimony of another. Though it helps you, you are not dependent upon that. Because you look in the mirror, you see what you look like. Right? The others are able to see what you missed. But you actually see yourself pretty well. So, stop looking at yourself and looking at yourself through others' eyes. Put the mirror of God's word before yourself. And ask God, show me who I really am. The real picture, Lord. Show me who really am. You know about David, no? Story we keep repeating once in two days at least. How people saw him. How his palace saw him. How the soldiers saw him. How one man alone who had access to that letter job saw him. How Bathsheba saw him. How he himself saw him. Then how God saw him. Even the prophet did not know. Until God showed it to him. When the prophet was God's mirror, God's living word, the Holy Spirit through the word, prophet comes living word, said, you are that man. This is who you really are. This is who you are. Every testimony fell on the ground. Every testimony fell. You know what testimony he had? What the nation thought? What the army thought? What the palace thought? What the queen thought? What the queens thought? What the general thought? What he himself thought, everything fell to the ground when the mirror was put before him. This is who you are. What do you have to say? He says, that is who I am. I have sinned. When he, when he said, I have sinned, that is what he meant. I am exactly what you say I am. God said, that's all I want you to do. You can't change yourself. I can change you. I can change you. So we can repent, but we cannot change. Only God can. Only God can. I can be sorry, but I cannot have a new life. Okay, so be very careful. The world will deceive you of who you really are. And I can deceive myself. One thing about God, He will never deceive you or me. We honestly, truly go to God and say, Lord, show me, Lord, change me, Lord. He will show us. He has no qualms about it. No qualms about it. The word of God won't, and the spirit of God won't either flatter us, belittle us, elevate us. He won't do anything. He will just show us who you are and show us Christ. This is who you are. This is who he is. And you can be like that. I can make you like that. The question is, do you want to be? The word of God and the spirit of God is always true. So I would tell, request everybody who is listening and who will listen, spend time before that mirror. It will show you and me who we are. It will show who God is. 
And if we are willing, it will make us who we ought to be. Who we ought to be. The true righteousness of God that comes by faith and faith alone. You know, chapter 1, God points out Job. Chapter 1 to disaster hits. Right? Chapter 3 to 37 is Job's friend and Job, right, this is friend saying, this is who you are. And Job saying, this is who I think I am. This is the mirror play. Three people saying, this is what you look like. He's saying, no, this is what I look like. And in 37, God speaks. Okay, God speaks. And 37 till 37. 38 verse 1 and 2, the real, real mirror lands up. Look at, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I hear a discussion about four people discussing one man. Three friends and the man himself. <laughs> You're all talking about somebody. You don't know. I am the only one who knows him. Who darkens counsel by words without knowledge. What is knowledge? Real knowledge is what God tells who you are. Every other counsel is darkened counsel. And God begins speaking. 38, 39, 40, 41. 42, 5 and 6, Job's response. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes sees you. Why did he abhor himself and repent in dust and ashes? Because he felt really good. Have I done this too? Have I done this? Have I done this? Have I done this? If I have been anywhere wrong in anything, you can condemn me. He felt really good in his own eyes by his righteousness. Then, his righteousness was pretty good. (laughs) Even God said, compared to man, you are pretty good. You are the best guy around. But now you are getting a little high on it. Now I want you to take a good look at me and then take a look at yourself. You really want to know the standard? The standard is me. My son, Jesus Christ. Now take a good look at my son and take a good look at you. He says, my gosh, now my eye sees you. It's talking about spiritually. He sees his righteousness in the light of God's holiness and righteousness. He says, abhor myself. I hate myself. I hate my righteousness. It's like truly like filthy rags before me. And I repent in dust and ashes. Okay. That's the mirror of God's word. He'll show us what we really are in the sight of God. No. God show me. And then show thyself, Lord. Job's defense of his own righteousness just fell apart. All our defenses will fall apart. In the light of God's mirror, His word and the Holy Spirit comes and shows us. It will all fall apart and we will say, Lord, all I want is your righteousness and your righteousness alone, Lord. Please work it in me, Lord. Whatever price it takes, I am willing to pay. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. In your image. I see that image. That's what I want to be like. And I am willing, Lord. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. God's throne, the front portion, the first before, verse 6, yeah. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like 
crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, if you look, God's, it's a vision he's seeing. You know what? Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, absolutely sparkling, transparent glass. Okay, it's a throne. We, we talk about all kinds of floors. This is the only kind of floor you will never see anywhere. No, there is a glass bridge somewhere they made and it cracked. In China, it cracked. You have to see people walking over it. Nobody walks carefully, you know. Because you can do look down and it is like kilometers down. Think about it, walking on a glass, transparent glass floor. And I have a feeling that when you walk on that glass, you see the entire universe below you. Entire universe below you. You will be trembling, Lord, can this glass hold my weight? Will it crack and I fall? Glass. In 15 and verse 2. Revelation 15, 2. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. Now it is mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of glass. Now you see this. Earlier when we saw, it was pure, transparent, sparkling glass. Now it is glass mixed with fire. And people are standing on it with with harps and they are going to sing. Why? Because they have come through fire and their lives is transparent like glass. Therefore they are standing on glass mixed with fire and singing to God. God said, this is how it will be at the end. All who have allowed my work to be completed in them. No fear. Because you look at the floor of God's throne, look at your lives, it's the same. Transparent lives, burning with fire. What fire you had on earth is multiplied into infinity here. You're on fire for God. And you're standing on a floor because that fire has inflamed the floor also now. You have brought your passion into the kingdom of God. Into heaven itself you have brought. The glass is on fire now. Think about it, right? The glass is on fire. Earlier we saw transparent glass. Now you saw the glass is on fire. So the question is, who brought the fire? It was not God. He didn't light it. It was not the 24 elders. It's not the angels. We saw it before. We're seeing it after. Who brought the fire? The saints brought the fire. They brought their fire. What caused that fire in their life? It was the word of God. It was the fire of God. So please understand this. Over and over and over and over again. Understand this. That's why we preach the word. And we preach the word. We preach the word. Because the only way it can come is by hearing. Whether you read the word or hear the word. The hearing has to come. The Holy Spirit has to come. And God being absolutely compassionate. Knowing that most people. Genuine people, the poor to whom the word of God is preached, cannot read. He said, faith comes from here. And through the foolishness of preaching, God says, it will be done. And like I said again, over and over and over again, I'm telling you again, God is doing something which nobody is seeing. 
is making the division. Remember Gideon, first division was made by fear. All those who are afraid, everybody came, 32,000. All who are afraid, leave. 22,000 left. What does that mean? How do you re, how, how do you reinterpret into our times? Who are the 22,000 who leave? You know what has kept into the church? Fearlessness. They don't fear God anymore. These people who left are not people who feared God. If they had feared God, they would have stayed. You know what it is? You know when, when Adam and Eve fell, what are the two things that was manifested first? Fear and? What is the, how it will end in the last days? There will be neither fear nor shame. You look at how people are dressed and you look at the attitude of people. I don't care. They have to walk out of the church as if the church was something that was man-made. Every church. They won't listen to the word. They will come in when they like. They will leave one leg. They will question everybody. You know what has happened? It has crept into the church. There's no fear. No fear of God. They are fearless of God. They have fear of the world, fear of man, fear of epidemic, they have fear of everything. Only one fear is needed. It's the fear of God. Why do you think the falling away will happen? If you think the people of God tremble before the word, people will fall away. Nobody will fall away. God will keep them. But God cannot keep people who do not fear him. It's not possible. Understand the first set, he said, let them go. They were not people who feared God. Please don't misunderstand. They let the fearful go. Who are these fearful? 22,000 who did not fear God. Therefore, other fears overpowered them. They left. They left. When it came to God, they were fearless. Second division is by the word. By the water. What does the water signify? You already looked by the word. He said, take the rest. You still have too many. 10,000. Take them to the water. Second division, by water. Those who just read the word of God and never evaluate their lives. They are not watchful. They just do their devotion. And they go, finish. I did my devotion. Thank you, Lord. That's it. This not thou not these are the ones, the ones three hundred are they and they're watchful. Watch and pray. Watch and read. So the word is reading you. Let's just don't read the word. Listen to what he's saying about yourself so that I, he can change you. Nine thousand seven hundred also were there at the water, but how did they drink the water? They lap like dogs, meaning not watchful at all. Absolutely not watchful at all. So what does that mean? They got deceived. Absolutely deceived. They got deceived. They had the word, but they got deceived. Because they were not watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because the lion, the devouring lion, he deceives you. He doesn't come as a lion or anything. He comes and says... Tomorrow onwards, next week or whatever, we'll start on another, continue this thing and I'll show you why the church will fall. How does it come side by? There is the world, there is the world, and there is the church, the bride, 
and that is the harlot. The harlot is not the world, don't misunderstand. The harlot is the church into which the world has gotten. And how did the world get in? How did the world get into the church? And how do we guard our hearts to be very sure, I am the bride of Christ and I am not the harlot. We think the harlot is the world. The harlot is not the world. The harlot is not the world. What does scripture say about that harlot? What does she have? A golden cup. That is the word. Golden cup. But what has she filled it with? Wine. Intoxicates you. So that you are deceived. The cup is golden. But what is inside is what you didn't look. How she interpreted the word. How she read the word to you. And told you. And you were careless. Put your feet fed down and lapped whatever was given. And God said, separate them too. So now we have only 300 left. Only 300 left. We don't see these patterns repeated constantly in the Bible over and over and over and over and we have swallowed these lies once saved, always saved, no, this thing and all. You haven't studied the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept. You have not judged our own lives in the light of God's word. We have become the judge of God's word and not the word of God has not become our judges. That's why we are so complacent. So complacent. When John the Apostle at his old age and he had a vision of Jesus Christ, he thought, oh my God, he's come to judge me. He fell at his feet like one dead. The same guy who had leaned on his breast when he was alive fell on his feet like one dead. That is the fear of a saint. How he deals with the word of God. Then finally, Judges 7, 5 to 7, He brought the people down to the water. Let us, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog is set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. How many were left? And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth was three hundred. Only three people. Three hundred people of thirty-two thousand. Think about it. Thirty-two thousand. Think about a, a church which has got thirty-two thousand members. And God says in that church, only thirty. 300 people are there who really are saved. Only 300 who are really saved. What does that mean? 31,700 are disqualified. Only 300. If you want to put it in perspective, what God is actually saying. And then he told, take them and divide it into three groups, 100 each. What should you give them? An empty pitcher, a trumpet, and a lamp. That's all. An empty? What does it mean? Do we accept that I am a poor in the spirit? Did we accept before God, Lord, I am empty today, Lord. I am just an empty vessel. There is nothing good in me. Absolutely nothing good in me, Lord, today. I am just an empty pitcher. Then the trumpet will be will sound. What is the trumpet? Trumpet is the living word of God. That's when it becomes prophetic for me. Prophetic for you and everyone who are listening to the word of God. If you are an empty pitcher, then the word of God that God may be speaking through me becomes prophetic for you because he is speaking to you. It becomes the trumpet. What is the trumpet used for? To warn. 
That is the purpose of the trumpet, to gather or to warn. So when it becomes prophetic, the trumpet is warning. This area, put it right today. This area, put it right today. Or it is a call to war. It's a call to move. These are the ways the trumpet was used. As a warning, enemy is coming. Rise, time to fight or time to move. As the word of God moving us, warning us, preparing us for spiritual battle. And when you have meditated upon the word of God, like, I don't want to talk about myself, but you know that when you have listened to the word, you suddenly break out into war. Into prayer. And you know it is not prayer that is you are asking anything from God. You know you have broke out into spiritual war. Why? Because the trumpet sounded in your in, in your spirit. And you are suddenly 10 minutes in spiritual war. You are fighting. And God's spirit is fighting through you. Because the word, which is the trumpet, has prepared you for war. That is prayer. Not prayer for my macham, pray for my baby. That is prayer. Everybody prays. Every religion prays. Warfare, fare, they also have cursing. Everybody, every day in every religion, what is their warfare, fare? It's cursing. Can pay and they will do it. And we are the ones who are called to pray, to dismantle realm too. So when power and authority has been given, shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. All has been Right? You know what Gia is? Gia is the goddesses of earth in Greek mythology. Gia. That is the entire climate change movement is actually worshipping her, calling her mother earth. All of them are on all this. And the other Greek god who was half goat and half man, the other half worships, what is he called? The god Pan. The Greek god, Baphomet is his current name, Greek god Pan. Pan and the mother God. You see, all of it is coming together. So you have pan, and you have climate change, has two agendas. From pan, you get panic, you get pandemonium, you got pandemic. Do you think what is happening is normal? It's not happening, it's normal. It's all connected. So another whole thing is going, oh, Mother Earth is being liberated because of this pandemic. And we are minds are being Blinded. Our minds and thinking have been blinded. What are we called to do? And everybody like sheep is following. How do you keep apart? How many feet apart? Six feet apart. Why should it be six feet and not five and a half? Why can't it be seven? Why can't it be five? Everywhere. Yours, everywhere. You're six feet apart. Six feet apart. Isn't that what they're telling? Six feet apart. Why six feet apart? Because that's the terminology taken from death. When you die, you are six feet down underneath. People are sitting there and still praying for careers and stuff without realizing where we are moving towards. Entire world is being blinded. Entire world is being blinded. And follow into our agenda. We have an agenda. Fall into place. Listen to what we say. Stay six feet apart. Cover your faces. Stop talking. Just listen to us. And we'll use every gadgets to track you. Your movements. We thought it only happened in China. It's happening even in the U.S. You're being tracked. You're being told how to think, how to act, how to walk. You're being told. Personal liberty is in their hands now. 
you don't realize. Where is the trumpet? Where is the prophetic voice? The trumpet and the lamb. The word of God. Your word is a lamb unto my feet and a light unto my path. So three. I don't need 32,000 to win this battle, God says. 300 men is enough. I don't need many. 300 men will stand up in 300 corners of the world and stand up there and use the format which God has given. And he says, you stand there and you speak, I will do. The enemy is not defeated by numbers. The enemy is defeated by me. Not by might, not by power, it's by my spirit. God will have a set of people who will speak. And God will have a set of people who will pray. That's what I'm saying. After 50 days, 55 days, 60 days, if your prayer life hasn't changed, it is absolute total waste of time. Your prayer life should radically... If you're satisfied, I'm talking about non-preachers. Okay, Preachers also pray, but they study and they preach. But all the others, if you're satisfied with your prayer life, satisfied with your prayer life, you should be crying out to God and say, Lord, change my life. Change my life, Lord. Everybody has a terrace to go to pray. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, go to the terrace. Like people have. The whole countryside is empty. You can go out and pray. Nobody is stopping you. At five in the morning, no cop is there. Nobody is there. Put your mask on and go pray. Pray. Everywhere in the world, pray. Say, pray, Lord. Change me, Lord. Here I offer my body, soul, spirit to you. Pray through me, Lord. Pray, Lord. Pray. I am hearing the word of God. The word of God is in me. Pray. Because the word of God is to teach us how to pray. You have to pray according to the word. You understand the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, and you pray accordingly. And you pray, 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 pray. And God will also raise up trumpets who will blow the trumpet. And warn and warn and warn. And prepare. this battle also will be won. Battle also. This is the only way, one way the church has always won the battle. Two things. What? Word and prayer. And that's why when there was an issue in the church, God said, no, 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 no. We will not, we will not, we will not be distracted by this issue created by flesh within the body. Pick seven men, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. And they picked seven men. And two names we know very well afterwards. One is Stephen, one is Philip. Now you know, they served in the table. And after that they got, God used them mightily. Stephen stood before the Sanhedrin. Philip was taken and then later in the book of Acts you will see Philip had four daughters and Paul is in his house. They waited on the table. You don't have to wait on the tables all your life. <laughs> Even though if that is what God calls you to do, thank you Lord, I will wait on the tables all my life. What I am saying is that you see the format in the Bible, you will see people who are being changed. The world's most powerful, most uh, autocratic, mighty empire fell down without a shot being fired. The apostles and the army of God did not shoot one arrow, throw one stone. The empire collapsed on its own before the church. They did nothing. Because that's the power of prayer and the power of my word. Because this I have exalted, I have magnified my word above all my name. And I reign on earth through my people, through their prayer life. I have given them authority. To bind and to loosen. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
Whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosened in heaven. If two of you agree on anything on earth, it shall be done in heaven. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions, and they shall by no means harm you. You worried about the second realm? Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Come on, church, rise up. What are you worried about? The false god pan or panic, pandemonium or pandemic. Haven't I given you power over it all? It can only kill your body, ultimately. It cannot touch your soul. The problem is souls have been taken over by panic. Even though bodies have not been touched. Souls have been taken over by fear. And God says, arise. Arise, O church, arise. Once again, magnify my word. Exalt my word. Lift up my word. Among the people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this evening, once again, we just come to you, Lord. And by faith, Lord, we exalt your word above all your name, above all our ideas, our accepted arguments and ideologies and everything in us. We lift your word above it all. Be enthroned in our lives. Let your word have sovereignty and absolute authority in the lives of everyone who is hearing, O oh God. O oh, Spirit of God, touch your people everywhere, O oh Lord. You said, O oh Lord, through your apostle, your, your servant, John, Lord, the one who comes after me, I am not even worthy to unstrap the thongs of his sandal, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, O oh God. I pray, Father, every soul that is before the internet, the radio, the TV, whatever it is, who is crying out to you, Lord, I pray, Father, you will baptize them with your Holy Spirit and baptize them with your fire, O oh God. Fire, Lord, your fire. That's the only thing that can break everything that is against you in us, O oh Lord. What water cannot do, what the hammer cannot do, fire can do, Lord. Fire, nothing can stand before that fire, O oh God. And I pray the fire of the Holy Spirit will consume everything in each one of us that stands against the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of the Word of God, against the power of the Holy Spirit. Consume it, O oh Lord, that nothing, nothing is left each day when we rise up. We will look into our heart our soul and see it's the, the knee of our soul is bent before the Lord the mind of our soul is bent before the Lord the will of our soul is bent before the Lord and that we shall worship you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength with all our soul completely Lord oh master, it is possible because it is written therefore it is possible, we will not keep anything away from you oh God and I pray, Father, even now, Lord, fill your people with your spirit. Baptize them with your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. And let everything that is not of you, Father, in them, Lord, even in their body, let the fire of the Holy Spirit consume every virus, every sickness, every infirmity that is in the body. Let it be consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. And what is left is what you have left in us to humble us. So that we will continuously walk with you, Lord. Everything else, O oh Lord, which will not help us to magnify you in our lives, consume it, O oh God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. From one end of the globe to the other end, O oh Lord, I thank you for every brother, every sister, every child, O oh Lord, who has come to you and surrendered their lives to you, Lord. Protect them, preserve them, keep them, Lord. Touch, Lord, touch, touch, Lord, touch. 
Touch, Father. Touch. Let the child, church, awaken our Lord. Oh, Father, in history books it is written, when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, that was the biggest blunder they did that awakened a sleeping giant, oh God. But the world doesn't know what the church is, oh Lord. That is the true sleeping giant, oh God. Oh, if the church were to awaken, Satan would tremble. Demonic hosts would tremble because they know what is the power of an awakened church. A church that has been baptized with power and with fire. Let the church awaken in these last days, O oh Lord. Let the world know the power of your body on earth, O oh Lord. Awaken your church, Lord. Everyone. Man, woman and child. Let them awaken, O oh God. In these last days, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. By faith, we enter into thy rest. Let your works continue in us, O oh Lord. The works of God through the hands and the lives of man. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. We proclaim with our mouths and with our lips. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.